uh, probably one a week after Easter that is tough to resist. In fact, I think I've we may have spent some time in John 20 before, uh, because in part, as we'll hear in just a moment, there is mention that it was a week after the resurrection, which is where we stand uh, today. So, we pray that uh, the Lord uses our time together to draw us nearer to him. From John 20, verse 19, when the evening of that day, the first day of the week, and this still would have been Easter, so to speak, Easter night, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you, are, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, or Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I'm going to stop right there. I think it indicates a few more verses, but I'm going to stop there for, for today. I love, I love this passage. I love what it says to us about Jesus. I love what it says to us about Thomas and maybe some of the thinking of the men and, and women who had followed Jesus during his ministry, especially what it says about their thinking right after his crucifixion and the news of his resurrection. It provides us a peek into their experience. We see their reactions to realizing that their crucified Savior may, in fact, still have... I, I was telling you a minute ago that something wasn't, wasn't right. Now my mouse won't work, so... Let's see here. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. It gave them hope that the one who was crucified could still be, in fact, their Savior. Do you remember that passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul lists out the folk that Jesus appeared to? Some of them mentioned very specifically by name. And I think finally he says, and, and, and 500 others too. Now Thomas is not specifically mentioned by Paul in, in that epistle. But I'm, I'm thankful 
that the Gospel of John includes the account of Jesus appearing to Thomas. Even though it's not really fair in light of some of what he did throughout his, his life, Thomas has the, the, the descriptor that comes specifically from this passage. Doubting Thomas. It is still, in fact, part of our vernacular today. Regardless of Thomas' reason for caution or, or even doubt, the, the truth remains that the answer lies not in who we are. If we were to project, what does this passage say to us today? The answer in, in regard to our questions or our doubts or our times of unbelief lies not in who we are or our ability to, to fully figure things out, but, but praise be to God, it rests on who Jesus is and Jesus' willingness to come to us. Now it's working. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> At its core, the story is about God coming to us. No matter where we may be. Did you catch that both times Jesus appeared, he did so even though the disciples were in the room with the doors locked? Not even locked doors could prevent Jesus coming to his disciples. When Jesus came to his disciples the first time, as the passage explains, Thomas was not with them. And the next week when he came, he again walked through closed doors. I've often wondered where Thomas was. Where Thomas was on that Easter night. All of it would be speculation, but uh, I've, I've, I've wondered before, and probably even aloud, if, if Thomas wasn't out looking for Jesus. If the news had spread from, I don't know, 12 hours earlier when the women came from the tomb and said, he's alive. I think it's possible that Thomas was so full of, of hope that he was looking. Have you ever wanted something to be true so badly that you begin to wonder if it would be too good to be true, as they, as they say? I've wondered what the conversation was like among the disciples after Jesus' first appearance, and then apparently for about a week he wasn't around. As they were trying to explain to Thomas. No, we saw him. We saw the, the nail prints that you wanted to see and, and, and Thomas resolute in his unbelief. Unless I. I will not believe. In fact, I think this translation I used said, I will never believe. And yet Jesus still comes to Thomas. Again, I return to this idea that it was not Thomas seeking of Jesus, it was Jesus seeking of Thomas that answered Thomas' 
questions. It was Jesus who was determined to reach the skeptic, the doubter, the disciple. It was Jesus who refused to let dead bolts or chains block the movement of his love toward the one who apparently lacked faith. And the same is true of us. When doubt crowds out our hope or anxiety attacks our faith, we should be confident that Jesus will meet us exactly where we are. Even those times when we find ourselves somehow at the very far reaches of our faith, trying to remember what it is we believe and and even why we believe it. Even when we're in locked rooms, seemingly having forgotten how to believe, Jesus still comes to us. God steps through the walls of hardship and difficulty that have been erected around us. And even times when the possibility of love and, and good overcoming hate and death seem too good to be true, God shows up. Did you find it odd that even when Jesus did show up, the time when Thomas was there, it seems that they aren't totally sure who he is, that somehow his appearance has been altered or changed. Thomas doesn't, for instance, appear to jump up the minute Jesus appears in the room. It makes you wonder if Jesus still looked exactly like he did before his death, if he still had the hands of a carpenter or a carpenter's son, or, or, if, his, or if his feet were still uh, calloused by the roads that he had walked for those three years. Maybe, maybe the lesson for us is that when Jesus comes to us during times of doubt, that he may come in ways unexpected. That he may come to us in ways that we wouldn't anticipate. Or maybe in ways that we hadn't seen before. But when Jesus does come to us, during those times of tragedy or doubt or decision he comes bringing peace can you think can you think of a single uh, emotion less likely to be felt if you are in a room in which you know the doors are locked and all of a sudden someone is standing in the middle of the room and they say peace be with I don't think that would be my first response. That would not be my first reaction to Jesus or not coming and invading the room in which I have tried to secure myself. And yet Jesus says, peace. So when Jesus is coming to us and seeking us out in, those, in our times of, of doubt or, or despair, we'll know it's Jesus when there's a sense of peace. And after offering those words of peace, Jesus asks Thomas, invites Thomas to do what he had said he wanted to do, depicted in this painting behind me. He invites Thomas to put his fingers in the wounds that Jesus bore from 
the nails. You think Thomas really did it? This painter thought that he did. I don't know, as I read the account of Jesus appearing to Thomas, I, I don't know that he did. Initially, Thomas told, tells his fellow disciples that for him to believe, as we've said, that he'd have to put his finger in the marks of the nails. That he would have to ensure that the one who stood before him was the one that he had seen die. That the one who stood before him had in fact suffered in the way that he had seen with his own two eyes. And when Jesus appears the second time, he does invite Thomas to do just that. Scripture indicates that Thomas response my lord and my god happens before he has opportunity to reach out and place his hands in the wounds of jesus the visible evidence of jesus scars was sufficient for thomas to go from unbelief to belief the wounds were proof enough that jesus could relate to his scared, wounded disciples. You know, the, the idea of a God who is crucified, in fact, there was a famous German theologian who wrote a book entitled The Crucified God. That is a pretty unbelievable set of words. Isn't it? One, it is almost an oxymoron. How could God, A, die, B, be crucified? What that means for us is that there is no amount of pain or suffering or despair or sadness or doubt to which God is incapable of relating. And because of his resurrection, it means that there is no amount of pain or suffering or doubt that is somehow ear or unredeemable. And then the idea that Jesus would seek out the one who had said he could not believe. Jesus showing up with those wounds still intact was enough to convince the doubter to have faith. The wounds were proof enough that Jesus could relate. So in our days of uncertainty and concern, days when things somehow still feel somewhat abnormal, the Lord comes to us. His initial message is not condemnation for doubt, not Thomas. How many times did I tell you? 
Jonathan, how many times did I tell you that I was going to go to Jerusalem and die? No, that's not the initial message. The initial message is lovingly outstretched arms that convey the word crossing his lips. Peace. Peace. And at the end of those outstretched arms are scarred hands, and these imprints reassure us that nothing is capable of separating us from God's love. As Paul writes in Romans, neither life nor death nor principalities, and he goes on and on and on and on. This is true because the crucified one is also the risen one. And as a result, in times of concern and doubt and uncertainty and unanswered questions and even locked doors, we are a people marked by an unquenchable hope. Amen.